Hey, welcome to the Crack House Chronicles. I am Donnie, your host, and with me is a man who got his first fake ID, and now he can eat off the kids' menu. <laughs> it's Dale. What's up, man? What's <laughs> ain't, going? Ain't nothing like a Happy Meal, man. Yeah, Happy Meal or I something. The, I got the good toys. You got to get the toy inside the Happy Meal. <laughs> That's the best part. <laughs> yeah. Get the toy and throw the rest of it in the trash. Yeah, all the fries, <laughs> McDonald's fries. They're getting pretty slack, truthfully. Yeah, greasy fries. <laughs> yeah, flimsy fries. Flimsy fries. No good. Nope. Extra crispy, please. Yep. <laughs> or the chicken McNuggets. Yeah, no, I can't throw them away. Uh, uh, they're probably not very good for you, but I'll eat them. I don't know if there's any chicken in them at all. Probably not. No. Just a crust, but it's still good. Piece <laughs> <laughs> of that chicken crust. Chicken crust. I need a four-piece chicken crust, please. Yeah. What's going on, dude? <laughs> What's going on with you? I am, that is the question. Uh, ain't nothing like going on with me. I'm just... I'm just sitting here running the computer and looking at the soundboard. All right, then. It's and pretty outside, isn't it? It is pretty. It's nice. <laughs> is, it, is it nice and pretty? Nice and pretty. <laughs> yeah. That's the temperature. It's nice, like that's, we said. That's right. Yeah. You got any shout-outs? Anybody you want to mention before we get started today? Well, I do. First, I got a, I'm going to fix a oopsie I had last week. MV LeBlanc, I refer to as she for some reason. I guess because I have a, a friend, uh, Michelle LeBlanc, in uh, Canada. And MV was also from Canada, so I, I don't know why why that happened. Anyway, you I just, just want to apologize. You just associated two together, didn't you? Yeah, I okay. guess I just want to apologize that yeah. that was a him, and we just want to give a shout out to uh, Mike Winnipeg, and uh, uh, we apologize for that. Uh, we got your real name, Mike Winnipeg. Yeah, so you get a double shout out. How about hey, that? Brother? Sounds good, man. Thanks so much for listening and uh, letting us know that I screwed up. I appreciate that. And Mike, tell all your friends about us. Yeah, tell them I'll screw their name up too. Yep, <laughs> we'll do it. All right, now Donnie, we're moving on. We got a couple of. New Apple Podcast five star reviews. Ooh, five stars! Yeah, we love them, don't we? Yeah, yeah, because they really help us out, whether you know it or not. We ain't, lying, we ain't lying about that. They really do. They help us out a whole bunch. Yeah, we need to do a contest on five stars or something. Yeah. Uh, first of all, it's Omac O eight O M A C O eight, and uh, they them them whoever he and, or she and their dad <laughs> said that they uh, love the show. Uh, it's not like all the usual ones, and it's just like sitting down with a couple of good old boys and having a conversation. Well, come on over and sit down. We'll talk about some true crime. So you can hang out with the good old boys anytime. Yeah. We appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. And we got another shout-out to uh, Lily Palmas, P-O-M-U-S. Uh, they said they really love the show, especially the missing persons and the two-parters, Donnie. Mm. They love the two-parters. Two-parters. So mm. there you go. Two-parters are every, hard to do. Every time you think we got it figured out. Yeah. Anyway. There's always one in the crowd. <laughs> but Lily Palmas, thank you a whole bunch for listening. We and appreciate it, and thanks for the five-star review. Yeah, it's much appreciated. It much appreciated. Now, something we want to address a little bit here. Uh, Sugar Magnolia on uh, YouTube uh, posted on our uh, video of the H Degree Locations video. If you hadn't seen it, check it out on our YouTube channel. Uh, they was kind of wondering how far it was from Turner Upholstery in the building up the hill to the actual the billboard that they have posted in H's honor. And we're thinking it's close to about a quarter mile up the hill from the driveway. If that much. Yeah, maybe not that quite that far. It's just the top of the hill. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm, I was going to say if you cut across the field there from the from the uh, the building in the back, it might not be quite that far. But Mm-mm. it's maybe about the same difference. Yeah. One's through the field and one's up the road. But it's not that far. And that is if you're heading south on 18. Yep. So you would go, if you're heading south, from like if you were coming from her house, you would go past her the the driveway from Turner's, then on up to the top of the hill, and that's where the sign is. Yep, that's exactly right. So we hope that clears it up a little bit for you. I don't know if I did a good job, but uh, we appreciate the the comment, and uh, and thanks for watching the video. Yeah, we appreciate a whole bunch. All right, then. So from there on, I guess let's just 
roll on into this week's episode, Donnie. No, we're going to get into it. Let's do it. That's it. And this week, Dale, we've got a... You didn't sell no shirts. No, I didn't sell no shirts. Okay. Okay. But anybody wants a shirt, <laughs> you know what to do. You go to the website and get order one. one. Yeah. 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 Just get one. That's Support right. us. Tell all your friends about us. Right. Yep. Thank you anyway. We appreciate it a whole bunch. <laughs> all right. Yeah, all right, let's go. We've got a case this week. It's uh, kind of local to us again. We've, we're on a local kick. Yeah. And this one's a couple counties over that took place in in Mecklenburg County. Yes, it did. The uh, city of Charlotte. And this, um, what we're talking about today, it rocked the NFL world. Yep. Pretty big. A whole lot of worlds, actually. Yeah, it did. It changed a bunch of lives. Yeah. But uh, the ones we're talking about today is uh, Ray Carruth and Sharika Adams. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Most people say it's the the Ray Carruth story, but truthfully, the way we look at it, it's the Sharika Adams story and what happened to her. Yes, you know, because she is uh, she was the victim. Yes, no doubt about it. Yeah, and her mom and her son. Ooh, her mama, what an angel. Yep, she's a saint. But yeah, we're gonna get into this story, Dale. All right, let's tell it. Okay, we'll start with a little bit on Ray Carruth. He was born. On January the 20th, 1974, mm-hmm. uh, his birth name was Ray Lamar Wiggins. Ray Lamar, the Otis Wiggins. Yeah. <laughs> the Otis. The Otis. And he was born to parents Theodre Carruth and Samuel Carruth. That was his stepfather, Samuel. And his father was Charles Wiggins. Right. Yeah. But Ray Carruth... He, he took was, his stepfather's name. Yes, he did. Yeah. He was born and raised in Sacramento, California, and he attended Valley High School. And he was accepted on a football scholarship to the University of Colorado Boulder Buffaloes. Buffaloes, yeah. He was a wide receiver, mm-hmm. and he was really fast. Very fast. And he played four seasons for the Buffaloes and was named first-team All-American right. in 1996. And Carruth earned degrees with a double major in English. And he caught 135 passes for 2,540 yards and 11 touchdowns in four seasons with an average of 18.8 yards per catch. Which is pretty good. That's, that's Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, you know, and, uh, you know, he was a pretty good student, you know, and his mom was really had, was strict on him growing up, and he didn't get in any trouble. He was a pretty good kid in the neighborhood, you know, no drugs, no violence, nothing like that, straight, mm-hmm. and, straight and narrow kind of guy, and that's how he got his good uh, his uh, scholarship and went on to do well. So, so far, so good. Keeping his nose clean and doing the right things. Yeah. Being a hero for the community. Yeah. And Ray Carruth, he was a first-round draft pick in the 1997 NFL draft. Mm-hmm. The and, Carolina Panthers. Yep. Taken by the Carolina Panthers. Right down the street. Yep. And with the 27th overall selection, he signed a four-year deal for $3.7 million. Man, is that and, what you got for this? Yeah, I got I got $3.7 million for this podcast. Sweet. And that that also included a one point three million sign on bonus. Just for signing your name. Yep, writing your name down. Man, I write my name all the time. Nobody gives me nothing. Don't give me nothing else. <laughs> pay me no attention. There you go. You can get you some chicken skins. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Now Ray Carruth, he had a pretty respectable rookie season in ninety seven, Dale. He started fourteen games. Uh, wearing uniform number 89. Well, he didn't wear a whole lot of numbers. I think it was like four different numbers he wore while he was there. 
of a period of what two years? You said. Yeah, I think he. Uh, I think he was there for like three seasons. The first season he played a lot, and then he hurt his broke his foot or dumped his foot. In the second season, in the third season, he played a little bit, but I'm not sure exactly. I'm sure we'll get into it shortly. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was kind of odd. I know at first he had said something about if he didn't have a one on his jersey, he looked fat because he's a real slim guy. Mm-hmm. But uh, he never did have a one here. It was like a 82 and 84 and 86 and 89, I believe, yeah. were the numbers he had. Yeah. Now, he was wearing number 89 when he played for the Carolina Panthers. He caught 44 passes for 545 yards and four touchdown passes and tied for first among rookie receivers. Right, so he had a hell of a first year. Yes, he did. And he was named to the all-rookie team at wide receiver. Right. Still, so far, so good. But he broke his right foot in the opening game of 1998 and didn't catch another pass that entire season due to the injury. Right, there you go. Yep. Now, he ended the year with four catches on for 59 yards on opening day. And he played in the first six games of the 99 season with 14 catches for 200 yards. Right. Yep. Now, just backing up just a little bit, while he was at Colorado right. his sophomore year, his girlfriend, whose name was Michelle Wright, she gave birth to their son, Rolando. I guess that's how you pronounce it, Raylando. Yeah, because call, she calls him Ray Jr., but so if he's Raylando, he's not actually a junior, but I think that's what she called him. Ray Londo. Right. Now, Michelle, she sued him for child support and later testified that Ray agreed to pay her $2,700 in child support half of what he was ordered to pay by a judge. Wow. Yeah. She accepted on the condition that he be a better father. Right. Now, I don't know about all this better father stuff because I don't think he really had much to do with Rolando. No, I don't think he did either. And he didn't really want to pay that $3,000, well, $2,700 either. But I know that's a lot of money, but if, when you get all that money for NFL, that's what comes with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, take care of your kids, folks. Yep. Now, in June of 1998, this was a pool party. Mm-hmm. Ray Carruth met a woman named Sharika Adams that we mentioned at the beginning of this episode. Mm-hmm. And she was from Charlotte. Uh, she was actually born in Kings Mountain, North Carolina. Which is not far from us at all. No. Just same county, actually. She was born on June 30th, 1975. And she was working in real estate as well as an exotic dancer. Yeah, I think she was working in real estate before she'd done this exotic dancer stuff. But. Yeah. And even uh, her mom had asked her about it, and she just explained to her what was going on. And it was, uh, I think it was a high-end place, so it wasn't really trashy or much. And she explained to her mama that uh, she had a plan and laid it all out with her mom and showed her how much money she could make and how long she needed to be there to get where she wanted to go because she was really smart and business-oriented, and she knew what she wanted to do and where she wanted to go. So she had her timeline, and her mom laughed about it and said, you know, she even asked her if they need some some stripper moms down there to, to help with the, yeah. with the money they was going to be able to make. And she wasn't, you know, she just wasn't doing that to be doing it. She was, she had a plan to, to make some money and, and get some stuff done. But not only was uh, Sharika and her mom, you know, mother and daughter, but they were really good friends. Right. I mean, they were really, really close. Yeah. They kidded with each other. They did everything together, shopping, everything a mother and daughter would basically do. Right. So they had a a lot going on in their relationship. But now in the summer, like I said, in the summer of 1998, Ray and Sharika were in relationships with other people and fell out of touch until that November when Ray Carruth attended a birthday party for one of his teammates that was being held at a local strip club there 
and that was where Sharika worked. Right. Well, I think when they first met, she wasn't working as an exotic dancer. I could be wrong. And then, you know, Lisa, maybe he didn't know it. But then later on, you know, they had they had seen each other on and off here and there and stuff. And when they, I think she had moved to Atlanta, actually. And then he kept up with a little bit, even going as far as buying her a cell phone, which, you know, back in the day, most folks didn't have one. I think mm-hmm. she, uh, she had a beeper, but she didn't have a phone. And then... Uh, she then Caruth had got her a phone and she had told her mom that Ray wanted to keep up with her while she was out of town to make sure she was okay. Mm-hmm. And then when she moved back to town and he run across her in the strip club, you know, that's when he's like, he really started pursuing her. Yep. I think he realized he liked her more than he thought. But Ray was later quoted as saying that although him and Sharika, they saw each other, the relationship between them was just based on sex. Yeah. And, Sharika was not under the impression that Ray had intentions of marrying her. Right, I think he said lust was the tie that binds us. Yes. It's not like love or anything. So, you know, I don't know. I think I think the way it hits me is he's thinking one way, she's thinking another. Yep. You know, because, you know, she wasn't just up for that. Yeah, he'd even said that they just hooked up randomly and, right. and never made anything more than that. Correct. And Ray even said that he estimated that him and Sharika had consensual sex approximately five times and that before Sharika became pregnant with his child that they had never dated and hung out at each other's homes or even talked on the phone for an extended period of time and he even said that uh, Sharika was was never a guest at at any of his Panthers games either which is kind of crazy yeah but he even said that's what he says yeah and it said that aside from the nights that they hooked up they spent zero time together. Right. That's according to Ray Caruth. Now, her mama said that uh, when they first got together, him and her went by her dad's house, and he met Caruth right off the bat. So he was really excited to meet a, an actual NFL player. So mm, I don't know how much truth it is the way he's saying, but yep. go ahead. But Sharika was pregnant with his child. Yeah. Yeah. For Ray Caruth, the real issue was that he had fathered a child with his high school girlfriend mm-hmm. in Sacramento and was paying child support to her. And I'd even heard that he had missed a payment or two or wasn't paying everything he was supposed to. Probably just enough to keep from getting put in jail. Right. You know, and then he had gotten another girl pregnant in Charlotte, you know, before Sharika. And yeah. uh, he had pressured her into getting an abortion. Yeah. And then when Sharika got pregnant, he also pressured her as well. But she really wanted to be a mother, and, and it just wasn't happening. She was determined to either, you know, do it by herself or with him because her mother was a single mother and done a wonderful job, and she was she was just determined to have this baby. Yeah. So Sharika is pregnant with Ray Caruth's baby. Mm-hmm. Now, in 1999, Ray, he became acquainted with a man named Van Brett Watkins. Now, Van Brett Watkins, he was a security guard at a local Charlotte strip club. And he began doing odd jobs for Ray Caruth. Yeah, I think he's washing his cars and detailing his cars and that kind of stuff. But they were introduced after a formal introduction through a mutual friend. He hangs out a lot of strip clubs, don't he? Yeah. <laughs> and Van Brett Watkins, he was a New York native. Yep. I think his nickname was New York. Yep. But he was a hardened criminal. He had served time in prison for a lot of crimes and and had stated that he had killed four people prior to meeting Ray Caruth, and they were all hired hits. Yeah, and said he had never got caught. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. It is. But get this, after about three weeks after being acquainted, Caruth 
met Watkins and posed a question to him. And he wanted Watkins to beat up Sharika Adams to make her abort the baby and asked how much it would cost him to do that. You know, it's kind of crazy because, you know, a lot of his NFL player friends said that, you know, he was always quiet, didn't do, you know, hang out with them much. Just one of them, Mike Manor, they hung out some during, the, you know, his rookie year. Mm-hmm. I think they could come in together and actually played uh, college ball together. You know, and he said he was just a quiet guy, didn't really do nothing, you know, and he was, this, I guess, the, the ladies' man kind of stuff. But it's kind of odd that someone in his position would pick up friends like this, and a lot of people started looking at him funny because he was hanging out with, you know, these kind of people, you know, with the criminal type, I guess. Yeah. But when Ray asked Watkins for him to beat up Sharika, he said, I don't beat up a girl. He said, I kill people. Right. Which is kind of crazy. Yeah. And when Ray pressed further, the two agreed to a deal. And Carruth would pay Watkins $3,000 up front for the hit, and then another 3000 after the deed was done. Right. But Watkins, he drug his feet on this. He didn't really want to do it. I don't think he did. Now, you know, according to him, and, you know, you just you get what you get when you hear people talk. But, you know, he had a, had a lady and a baby, and he was just thinking, he just didn't want to do it, and, you know, and, I think he, he like, drug his feet for, you know, six months, you know, trying to get him to change his mind, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, he, liked, he, he didn't really want to do it. He didn't like the idea of harming or killing a woman. Right, especially with a baby. Yeah. When he had one, you know, he said every time he looked at his baby and, and his girl, that's what he thought about. Him. Yeah. But Ray kept pressuring him. Yep. A lot. He'd come up with all kind of crazy ideas. But he ended up uh, talking Watkins into doing this deed. And... Watkins, he started stalking Sharika mm-hmm. on and off again for for months leading up to Sharika's murder. I mean, a little spoiler alert, but that's what happens. Anybody knows this case, that's what happens. Right. But Ray began bouncing around different ideas off of Watkins for you know, the hit. Yeah, even one time said, you know, how about we, we, me and her go to a restaurant, and then I'll park, you know, in the back near a dumpster, and I'll go in to get the food or whatever, and then you come out behind the dumpster and do what you got to do. I mean, yeah. all kind of little stuff like this he was trying to come up with, which, mm-hmm. you know, didn't wasn't really well thought out of. But And one of the ideas was proposed that uh, Sharika be killed while Caruth was in Spartanburg. The training and, camp, yeah. yeah. that training camp in which he would give Caruth a perfect alibi. Right. But nothing came of that. So basically he's wanting to get her killed, but he don't want to be implicated at all. Yeah, he just wants his hands clean of the whole thing. He just don't want that extra bill, Mm-mm. basically. Yeah, that's why he's wanting her done. Which is pitiful. Yeah, he don't want that pay that child support. Mm-hmm. He got a million dollars to sign his name, but he don't want to pay for no baby. And in November of 1999, Sharika was eight months pregnant at this time. And... Ray Caruth was getting more and more impatient. Yeah, it was getting close to time. Yeah, it was getting very, very close. And this is according to a court testimony. Everything sort of came together pretty fast. Ray Caruth had arranged to take Sharika out on a date to see a movie. Yeah, and this is the first actual date date they ever went on. Oh, yeah, she didn't even told her mom about it. They were yeah. actually going on a real date. Yeah, she was excited about it, you know, and... She had told her mama, you know, like you said, it was really going on a date. and I think it was the Bone Collector movie. It was. Yeah. Ray had invited both Watkins and Michael Kennedy, who was a local drug dealer mm-hmm. that he had met at a car accessory shop over to his house prior to the date. And they were all hanging out and trying to figure out what I was going to do. And he's just trying to come up with this plan. And that's why he was taking her out on a date. 
you know. And uh, Kennedy also had his best friend there, Stanley Abraham, who was uh, also involved in a low, you know, small-time drug dealing. I don't know why Ray Caruso is messing with these people. Right, that's I what mean, I'm saying. Yeah. He's just a lot of, I don't want to say low-life, but low-life people. Mm-hmm. You know, and he wanted, he said he had asked um, Kennedy if he could get a hootie. And he's like, you know, or a, a car that does not stand out. And he's like, sure, I got a hoopty. I got a little uh, Nissan Maxima. And so he told him to make sure he's driving that Nissan Maxima. Yeah. yeah. Didn't... And then when Watkins showed up, he showed up. Watkins didn't bring a gun. Previously, Ray had asked Watkins if he could get a gun. Yeah. And he said, sure, I can get a gun. He said, so he wanted to get him a gun. And he knew he, had, he could pick up a thirty eight for about 100 bucks, But he didn't want to get him a gun because he knew what he was going to do. But, you know, like you said, after he kept on to him, finally, he went and got the gun. So Ray gave him twenty, uh, five twenty dollars bills, and he went and picked up this thirty-eight revolver. A rusty thirty-eight revolver. <laughs> it was trash. And he got that and uh, some bullets. Yeah. And uh, This is the type of revolver. It's a thirty-eight snub nose, and it holds five bullets. Right. Yep. So he went and picked that up and come back, and then uh, they're all just hanging out for several hours before they go on a date. So they were hanging out at the house, you know, before they went on a date. And that's when Sharika arrived and she pulled up because she, she called her mom. And she goes, I don't know what I'm doing here. All these, He got all these people over here at his house. I don't know if he wants to go on a date. I don't know what's going on. And her mama said, well, just tell him you got to go to work tomorrow, that you can't go on this date. And then he, that's when Ray came out and said, no, 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 we're fixing to go right now. And he was on the phone. Mm-hmm. He was always on his phone. So we're getting ready to go right now. So then that's when they decided that they would go on a date to go see the movie. Yep. But now according to court testimony, Ray Carruth told Sharika that he wanted to spend the night at her house. Yeah, now what? he's got a cover for this too. Now, what, what happens? They go to see the movie, right? Yep. So when they get out of the movie, Ray calls the guys in the car and says, look, we're getting out of the movie. They're like, okay, so they're waiting in a parking lot. Mm-hmm. He's got the gun. He's got a box of bullets. He loads the gun. He throws the rest of the bullets in a storm drain to get rid of some evidence because he said he didn't need a five. So um, after this, they get ready to go, and he tells her that he's scared of Watkins. He tells her that uh, there's supposed to be a drug deal, that he was supposed to pay for some uh, some drugs, that he backed out of the deal, and now he's scared that Watkins is going to get him. Yeah. He said, so what we want, I want to do is go back to my house and get your car, my car, whichever one they weren't in, and then we'll go over to your house and spend the night. They would be in two separate cars going back to her house. Yeah, because he told her he had a uh, – we go to a, either a rehab or an injury doctor in the morning, one or the other. I'm not sure which one it was. And he told her it would be easier to get there from her house. Plus, Watkins wouldn't know where he was because yeah. he was worried that Watkins was going to kill him is what he told her. Mm-hmm. He was worried about the drug deal going bad. So they went back to his house and got both vehicles. He got in his SUV. She was in her car. I think it was a BMW or mm-hmm. a Mercedes. I'm not sure which one. One of them. And uh, they head over toward his house. And Caruth was in front and Sharika was behind him with kennedy trailing behind sharika yeah ray had called them and told them okay we're on our way so i think they were headed down ray road and these dudes seen them go by and pulled out behind her yep yeah so basically it's so it's ray in the front then her and then the thugs in the car in the rear yep but like i said they were just on ray road in charlotte and they came to a section where the road dipped just prior to mcandrew drive Mm -hmm. and this is where Everything took place. Yeah, Ray stopped his car. Right in front just, of Sharika. Yeah, just put on his brakes, I don't know, just out of the blue, and she had to stop keeping hitting him. This was a less congested part of town. It was out there, and there was lots of trees around. It was just kind of a, 
a road that goes through a dip with a lot of trees around where there's not a lot of visibility and it wasn't very busy. Yeah. Plus, this is, I don't think the movie was out till after, well after midnight mm-hmm. when it was over, so it's pretty late in the evening. But yeah, he stopped his car in front of Sharika's. And so she had to stop. Boxing her in. And at this time, that's when the, the Nissan Maxima pulled up beside of her. And that's when Van Brett Watkins opened fire. Yeah, he just, they pulled up right beside her, so basically, point blank range, he just shot five times. Yep. Yes. And hitting her four. One and, missed. Yes. And Caruth drove away. Yeah. He was watching in his mirror. And when he seen what happened, he just drove off. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Watkins had an opportunity to exit Kennedy's vehicle to make sure that Adams was dead. But Kennedy hurriedly had fled the scene after Watkins had finished. And for a moment, Watkins entertained the idea of killing both Kennedy and Abraham as to not leave any witnesses. Right. Kennedy got scared, so he just floored it and left. Yeah. So he didn't go get to go check on her. Yeah. And the other kid that was in the car, he had no idea what was going on. They had stopped at a store earlier to go get a beer, and uh, Watkins had got out to go get a beer, and the dude told him what was going on. He said, let me out. I don't want to be no part of this. Mm. But, so them guys, you know, basically just got drug into this. Yeah. Anyway, he, you know, he's talking about, like you said, you know, thought about killing everybody, but he had already thrown away the rest of his bullets, so he didn't have any, any more bullets. So he didn't really have a choice, you know, just to be with them so they they drove around a little bit and they pulled over and he he threw his gun away and uh, he had some gloves and threw all that stuff away in case they got pulled over but sharika had been hit with four bullets yep and she was bleeding profusely yes but sharika was able to use her cell phone and call 911 and this is pretty difficult to listen to but i think it needs to be in here all right here's this 911 call see how she was able to tell them 
where what, she was or yeah, what's going on. How, I mean, hit four, yeah. four bullets. And she drove off. I mean, even to know where she was, the exact place she was, and then blowing her horn to make sure they could find her. I mean, yeah. come on, how, how strong is this woman? Yeah. But they finally found Sharika, and she was transported to Carolina's Medical Center there in Charlotte. Yeah, they got there in about 12 minutes, which probably seemed like hours to her. Well, it probably did. But her baby was delivered via emergency cesarean section at 1.42 a.m. Mm-hmm. He was um, delivered approximately 80 minutes after Sharika was shot. Yeah. So that during that time, um, his blood supply was cut off. Yes, and oxygen. Yeah. Yeah. Because she had lost so much blood. Yep. And they were thinking for a little while that uh, the baby was going, wasn't going to make it. Right. And they thought, she, you know, she might and, and he wouldn't. Yep. It turned out the other way around. But uh, the police, they began their investigation led by Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Department homicide detective Daryl Price and Sergeant Tom Athey. And Sharika regained consciousness about seven hours after giving birth. And she began scribbling some notes. She wasn't able to talk. I think it had some right. kind of trach down her throat or I'm something. I'm sure, because yeah. she was pretty pretty beat up. But she was able to start writing notes in order to communicate and answer questions what um, the police were asking her about everything that took place. Yeah, she wrote, he was driving in front of me and stopped in the road, and a car pulled up beside me. He blocked me from the front, and then he never came back. Wow. Mm. And as far as her response to the question of whether Carruth was involved was concerned, she drew only a question mark. Right. She didn't know, but, you know, I think she knew but didn't know. After a period of questioning, Sharika went back to sleep, Dale, and she never regained consciousness. So how wild is this, man? This woman, I'm telling you, she's been shot four times. And when they shot, I don't know which one missed, but it's kind of like a hitter, I think, right below or right above the hip in the side. Mm-hmm. And then the next four or the next three went up. You know, I think the last one was somewhere in the neck. They weren't able to remove all the bullets either. And all this, after all that, bleeding out, she drove somewhere to a parking lot, calling 911, having them to come find her. She wanted this baby to be born so bad. Yeah. And they finally get to her. She's out of it. They have the baby. She wakes up. She writes a note to tell them what's going on, and then she passes away. Wow. I mean, what a story. Yeah. During that time Sharika was in the hospital, her mom was there at the hospital. Yeah. And get this, man. Her mom was flipping out. See what she says? First thing, I got to call Ray. He probably don't know she's been shot. Yeah. I mean, she was trusting Sharika. You know, that was her boyfriend. That was the guy that... They were going to have a, a kid together with, and mm-hmm. you know, and he needs to know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure this is all before this police and then writing the notes and stuff, you know, because she said that was seven hours later. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that was her first res- Her first response was, to, well, I better call Ray. Yeah. Even, even she even said, you know, when she was home, excuse me, she was home and the hospital called her at home. She thought that they were calling her about, she had had some kind of ankle problem or something and she thought it was billing department calling them after midnight giving her a hard time she goes why are these people calling me and she said no just calling about your daughter she's been shot so my daughter ain't been shot she's at the movies and then she found out it was real and, and freaked out and went flying to the hospital because they told her they were getting ready to take the baby mm-hmm. and then she gets there and first thing on her mind is to call ray and let him know yeah sorry ass yeah <laughs> I'm but he came to the hospital Kill with another woman. Yeah. What the hell? Sitting there getting massaged, his shoulders massaged by her. He is just, he's a piece of shit, man. Yeah. I mean, really, he is. Getting you riled up this week. Yeah. Now, as Ray Carruth was getting questioned by the police concerning about, you know, what had happened, Sharika and her baby's conditions 
past each other going in opposite directions. Right. Chancellor Lee, that's the that's what they named the little boy. He was actually starting to improve uh, despite doctor's concern of brain damage. And Sharika, her condition deteriorated yeah. quite fast. Yeah. They put her on a, an experimental treatment that uh, was supposed to save her life, but um, it ended up um, didn't work. Because it had only been used on teenagers, I think. Mm. Now, the police, they tracked down Kennedy, and they got some information from him, and they were able to track down and arrest Van Brett Watkins. Yeah, Watkins had been staying in a hotel somewhere in Charlotte, but he left and went back to New York after this happened. Mm-hmm. And then I think Ruth kept calling him or something, wanted him to come back, so he did, which is a big mistake. But anyway, yeah, he came back and he checked into the same damn hotel he yep. was in. Now, from there, they placed Ray Carruth under arrest Thanksgiving Day. Uh, Ray Carruth was able to post a $3 million bail, mm-hmm. and this was on certain conditions. And he was not to leave Mecklenburg County, and he was to turn himself in if either Sharika Adams or Chancellor Lee died. Right. On December the 14th, 1999, Sharika Adams died at the age of 24 after ne- spending nearly a month in a coma. Now, facing charges of first-degree murder, Ray Carruth fled North Carolina mm-hmm. following Sharika's death. Yep, one of his friends, Wendy Cole. Yeah. She was a, I think she owned a hair salon. Yep. Yeah, but, she uh, was going back to California. Yes. And he knew it. She was going to Sacramento. Yes. So he begged her to take him with her. Mm-hmm. And they fled. Yep. And she, uh, he hid in the trunk of her Toyota Camry. And they fled westward down Interstate 40 toward Tennessee. Yep. He jumped in there, you know, with a bunch of clothes or whatever and just jumped in the trunk with some power bars and some energy drinks, I think, or Mm -hmm. some Gatorade or something. Now, after driving through the night. She was wore out. Yeah. Wendy Cole checked into a Best Western hotel along Interstate in uh, Wildersville, Tennessee. Right. This is near Jackson, Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, With both police and bail bondsmen trying to track down Ray Carruth. Now, there was a tip received. From Ray Carruth's mother. Yeah, because when uh, they got to the hotel, he stayed in the trunk. And uh, she went in, checked in, went up and got a room, and she got to thinking about it. And she called his mama mm-hmm. because she just she knew it wasn't right. She wanted to help him out, but she also knew it wasn't right. So she called his mother, you know, and that's how they figured out where he was. Yep. Because, you know, she was going to lose everything with all that money they put up for bond and stuff. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, Yeah. So anyway, her, her the mother she uh, notified the bondsman that Ruth was in Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, they didn't. They wouldn't want anything to happen to him. Right. They were trying, she, she trying was to scared. do the right thing. And she was also scared that if something happened, that the police would kill him. Yeah. You know, in some kind of shootout or something. That's right. Now, as the FBI pinpointed Ray's location, Agent Mark Post set to work trying to find or get Cole out of harm's way in the event that. Like we said, Ray was armed or right. had some kind of firearm with him. And after searching and coaxing a little bit, uh, Cole finally indicated to Post that Carruth was in the trunk. Yeah, I think he said that there were like four or five uh, plainclothes FBI agents went in. Mm-hmm. And they found her and was talking to her and asked her if if he was in the room. And she said no. And he said, well, do you mind if we search the room? And she said no. And he went in and he was not in the room. 
And she kept trying to tell them without telling them. And they were wondering where he was. And she was like looking at her keys and doing some stuff and looking at her keys. And, and I think finally they got the hint that he might be in the car. Yeah. Yeah. So he went down and uh, he said he walked up to the trunk and I told Ray, he said, we know you're in there. And uh, we want to pop this trunk to get you out of there. But we don't want no trouble and we don't want nothing to happen to you. So... We want to, as soon as we pop his trunk, I want you to stick your hands out. And said even one of the agents laid down on the the pavement underneath the car and reached up with the key to turn the key. Yeah. And said as soon as it popped open, his hands popped out. So yeah. So he definitely was ready to come out. Well, he'd been in trunk for 20 hours. 20 hours. God. Said when they got him, he was, you know, he's a pretty tall guy. He's crumpled up, pants down to his knees, probably because he had to use the bathroom a couple times or whatever. And said that there was a couple of Gatorade bottles in there. One of them was full of urine, one half full and then had those power bar and candy wrappers around him. Can you imagine laying in the trunk of a car for 20 hours? Mm-mm. No, me neither. No, uh-uh. But Ray Carruth surrendered himself and cooperated with the agents as he was transported to an FBI office. Yeah, said so they were kind of scared. You know, what if this guy takes off running, you know, because he's a speechster anyway, and he's mm-hmm. a bunch of old middle-aged FBI's <laughs> want to chase him down, but... He was said he was just too numb after being laying there for so long to do anything, and he just—he, I think he was probably just glad to get out of the damn trunk, truthfully. Yep. Now, by the time Ray Carruth was extradited back to North Carolina, he was no longer a member of the Carolina Panthers. No, they kept him, you know, on the thing, you know, because you know it's always hearsay to it, to it ain't. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I they, think once he fled, they they, they knew. Yeah. yeah. But they cut him from following Adams' death and Carruth's attempt to flee. Yep. And in addition, Ray Carruth also suspended indefinitely by the NFL. Yeah, so he ain't playing for nobody. He'll never play again. Going from 1999 to the year 2000, one of the most high-profile criminal cases in history of Charlotte, as well as the NFL, Dale, this was a pretty big deal. Oh, yeah. This was uh, not far removed from O.J. Simpson. Right. But Carruth's circumstances were much different. And yeah, because he was active player, which OJ, you know, was retired when all that happened. But yeah, this guy was active player. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now Ray's defense attorney David Rudolph, he was up against lead prosecutor Gentry Caudill, and Caudill's being on the case was significant as eight men had prosecuted had been sentenced to death for their crimes, mm-hmm. if found guilty of first degree murder, and Caruth could have been the, ended up being the ninth. Right. I think it kind of messed up there. Yeah, I think it did. I think it did, too. Go ahead. We'll get but on. now, Rudolph's defense of Carruth centered around Rudolph convincing the jury that Ray had not premeditated Sharika's murder. Right. But instead had been caught up in the drug deal with Watkins that had gone bad. Right. Well, you know, it's kind of like what I said earlier, but he's trying to twist it to say this guy was mad at Ray for not giving him the money when they brought the drugs, and he killed uh, Sharika. You know, because he was mad at him, mm-hmm. which, you know, in, in, I don't know that maybe that could hold water except for the part that Ray was there. Yeah. And she knew it and she had already said it. Even though he denied he was there, it didn't take him long to figure out he was. Yep. Yeah. Cell phones. Gotcha. Now, Rudolph's defense hadn't been pulled out of thin air. They also wrote out a quote that Watkins had supposedly told a jailer. And this was uh, him saying that. If he had just given us the money, none of this would have happened. Right. That's how he's trying to twist this around saying it was about the drugs. Yes. Yeah. Saying it was all Ray's fault. And the theory of the defense revolved around the idea that 
Carruth and Watkins had a falling out over Carruth's backing out of this drug deal mm-hmm. that he was supposed to finance. And that that idea didn't hold up after Kennedy testified. Right. And he claimed that Ray Carruth had commissioned Watkins for the hit, and he had threatened to kill Kennedy if he didn't assist yeah, in doing this. It, yeah, because uh, he didn't want to do it. And he said, well, it's too late now. You already know about it, so you're either going to do it or you're going to be part of it. Yep. And there were some testimonies. One was given by Candace Smith. She was a stripper who had an affair with Ray Carruth. And there was another one, Michelle Wright. That was his um, baby mama. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and from his first child. She mm-hmm. testified and saying that, you know, he didn't pay child support, you know. And and um, Amber Turner, this was a former girlfriend of Ray Carruth. She was the one that had the pregnancy aborted. Right. And there were several members of the Panthers testified on Carruth's behalf. Yeah. So they still was kind of believing him. Yeah, it was. They wanted, you know, and I'm sure it's hard to believe that somebody that you know was in the locker room with you all the time, and you you think you know him, you know, and even though he's a quiet guy doing this and doing that, and you're hanging out with him and playing ball with him, could could do this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, you know, I guess they're just giving character, you know, testimony. But man, but now the most compelling testimony came from Van Britt Watkins who maintained over the course of two days that Ray Carruth had hired him to kill Sharika Adams. So we got part of that yeah, let's listen to testimony that. right here. All right, here yeah, we go. He's a, he's a pretty pretty nasty guy, man. Yeah. I wouldn't want to meet him in a dark alley. No. All right, here it is. And uh, you've, uh, you've got a gun there that you said he told you to get down in Atlanta, right? He did. Purpose of that gun, according to you, is to carry out this shooting, right? Exactly. And so you get this call, and you're and you're petrified, and so you go over there um, because you're so petrified. But you don't bring the gun that you supposedly bought for purposes of this hit, right? Exactly. So you're sort of a hitman without a weapon. Is that what you are? If that's what you want to say. Well, that's what you were, according to you. If that's what you... I can kill you with my hands. Okay. Is that what you were? I can kill you with my hands. I don't need a gun. Mr. Watkins again. Okay, I didn't need a gun. Okay. I I left the gun there in hopes that he would deter him from doing what he did. Now... You get there, he must have been pretty angry at you for not bringing the gun that he had told you to get, wasn't he? He's ordering everybody around. Well, heck, I mean, you show up the hitman without the gun, and he makes sure I get another vicious, one. Excuse me, sir. I'm still asking a question. And this vicious criminal who's never had as much as a parking ticket in his life that takes a that commits a murder that commits a murder on his first time out for crime what was he going to escalate to mr watkins yes sir i'm sorry be quiet just a minute let him finish the question but again mr rudolph i know it's cross-examination don't be argumentative in your questions yes sir he must have been mighty angry at you to show up at his house for this hit without the gun, wasn't he? Wasn't he? 
Excuse me? Wasn't he? I just answered you. What's your answer? Yes or no? Wasn't he? Yeah. And so did he say, well, you go on back and you go get that gun because I don't need to be spending another $200 and having Mr. Kennedy running all around all night looking for a gun when... I didn't need a gun. Okay, for me to kill somebody, I don't need a gun. Can't you look and see? I'm 286 pounds. Okay, I would rip you like a rag doll. Okay? Is that what you are going to do to Sharika? I could have, but I didn't. Okay, I could have killed her, the baby. Okay, that wasn't my beef. I didn't kill my wife with the meat cleaver. I threatened her. Okay, I didn't hit Bridget with the crowbar. I threatened her. I was a dog barking. I didn't do nothing. I ran. After my wife did that to me, I left New York, packed up, took my tools, and said, I'm a good-looking man, I'll be able to get another woman. Left, went to Atlanta, was in a strip club with hundreds hundreds. When I had a problem with the girl I was dealing with in Atlanta, packed up, went to Charlotte, met Bridget. When I had a problem with Bridget, I packed up, went back to Atlanta. I ran. This is what I tried to encourage the young man to do. I told him not to do it. For six months, I avoided him. I didn't go ahead and do it. I couldn't do it. He forced me to do it. He threatened me and the ones I loved. And it's still not over. So feel it. Feel the truth. Okay, I come from a city where you can feel it. You can tell when someone's selling you shit and when somebody's telling the truth. Feel it. Or your city is doomed. It'll be like New York and Atlanta within 10 years. Remember what I said. He's representing a person who killed, had his baby's mama and baby contracted out to kill. And all the time I'm looking at my girl and baby. How did you think I felt? I'm still human, even though I have a long criminal history. I did it all. But I'm still human. God forbid. I'm done, Your Honor. Anything further? You're right about that. Did you say to Detention Officer Griffin, two weeks after you caused that, I hope the bitch dies? Did you say that? That's the bitch I was talking about. Oh, I see. Break a roof. Oh. That's the bitch I was referring to who got me into this. Oh. Okay? This is the bitch I was referring to. Oh. He didn't stand up. I stood up for mine. I said I did it. Mm -hmm. I did it because he made me do it. Okay? He made the other two also do it. Okay? That's your client. The bitch. At the time that you made that statement, Sharika Adams was fighting for her life, right? Did the captain tell you what happened that day? My question is, Sharika Adams was fighting for her life, wasn't she? She was, but this, this wasn't about Sharika Adams. It was about the person who got me involved in all this for six months. 
the client did this. This wasn't a one-day affair. It was for six months. He dragged me into something that I didn't want to be involved with. Your client. Now, have you ever referred to women as bitches? It's not a... Uh... It's not uh, something I would do all the time. If I did it, I did it in anger. I said, right. If you were angry at a woman, you'd say, you bitch, right? Yeah. But if a dude acts like a bitch, okay, like your client, the insult doubles. I think with a woman, there it is, uh -huh. who, who didn't stand up, who didn't say, look, I did this. Look, I am sorry. I did this. I'm going to, I'm going to, what he said was, I'm going to save myself after the murder. Uh -huh. You're defending this. Were you, were you hoping that Miss Adams died? I got a second degree murder charge. The rest of my life in prison. If she would have lived, I wouldn't have the rest of my life in prison. Sir. So you could answer that question. You claimed in this statement you made to the police that Mr. Caruth had uh, threatened you. Is that right? Yeah, he threatened me and my family. Right. And I think you told me you were particularly concerned about uh, your family, right? More, more so them than me. Right. Because you're a pretty big guy, right? Size doesn't have nothing to do with it. Well, you're a lot bigger than he is, right? He's a lot more dangerous than I am, though. Yeah, because he has a really violent background compared to yours. Is that, no, is that it, took, sir? he took murder as his first charge. I see. Okay? I never murdered nobody in my business. This was his business. Yes, sir. He took murder for the first charge. We understand that that's your story, sir. We understand that's your story to save your life, sir. Save my life? My life is still gone. Save what life? It's gone. Are you going to be strapped to a gurney, sir? Either way. Are you going to be strapped to a gurney? Either way. Are you going to be strapped to a gurney? Are you going to be strapped to a gurney? I don't know. How about that? Man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and the judge and I think come up and they had like some of the biggest uh, deputies that they could find to come in there and kind of be, and stuff, to yeah. be around him just in case he decided to jump, even though he was shackled, you know. Is still a scary guy. He's a big boy. Yeah, I think he's like what do you say, six four, two eighty six, or yeah. right around three hundred pounds. Yeah, big fella. Yeah, man. You know, and then Ray Ruth, he never took the stand. No, never did. Which is probably smart on his part, but yeah. Now on January the nineteenth of two thousand one, the trial came to a conclusion, and Ray Ruth's fate was settled. Mm -hmm. Ray Ruth was found guilty of discharging a firearm into occupied property of conspiracy to commit murder and using an instrument with intent to destroy an unborn child, but not guilty of first-degree murder. And I think that's where they messed up. Yeah. They wanted to get him for first-degree murder, and they even instructed the jury that you cannot find him guilty of second-degree murder. That's right. It has to be first-degree. Mm-hmm. And I know first-degree is... You know, usually with if you already have this planned out and you know what you're going to do. But if 
the thing was that the, uh, the trigger man, you know, they were they were all up for second degree. So how in the heck can you charge him for the first? And I think the dude was just trying to to get the big name taken down as his what number nine or whatever he said a while ago. Yeah, and it just didn't work out that way. Yeah, I think the chief issue, you know, was, you know Watkins, like I said, he he had taken a plea deal for the second degree. Yes, he did. So you know he got second degree, and then Kennedy he got second degree. Mm-hmm. So. And, you know, one was a trigger man, the other guy was just driving the car. And then Carruth, even though he it was his idea, they was trying to get him for first. And they just, I think they just overstepped what they could have got him. They could have got him for second degree, and he'd have been in a lot longer than what he actually got sentenced to. Yeah. But Carruth was sentenced to a period of no less than 18 years and 11 months, and no more than 24 years and four months in prison. Right. And he was given credit for the 13 months he had served in prison following the December of 1999 towards his sentence. Right. Now, as far as Ray Carruth's co-conspirators were concerned, Kennedy served 11 years in prison before his release in 2011. Abraham went to prison for less than two years prior to his release in 2001. And he just happened to be in the damn wrong car at the wrong time. Oh, yeah, man. He, was he just, didn't have nothing, didn't have no idea what was going on. He didn't on. know what was going on until he got in the car. Man, crazy. Uh, yeah. And uh, Van Brett Watkins is not slated to be released until 2046. Yeah. I don't know if he'll make it. Yeah. But uh, 19 years later, Ray Carruth, at the age of 44, his sentence came to an end. Mm-hmm. And he maintains to this day that uh, he didn't conspire to kill Sharika. And he publicly stated that he, expect, he accepts responsibility for her death. So, yeah. I don't know, dude. Just come out and say it. Mm-hmm. You know good and damn well he did it. Yeah, he, yeah, he did it. But just a little bit about Ray Carruth in prison. He, while he was in prison, he became a licensed barber and was a model inmate at his uh, sentence at the Sampson Correctional Facility in Clinton, North Carolina. Well, you know he's going to be a model. He ain't going to do nothing. That's it. He, he, was, he ran from everything. He ran from his, anything that happened, he ran from his first baby. He ran from that, that abortion. He ran into the NFL, and then he ran from Sharika, and then he ran straight to Watkins to help him do this. and and then he went to prison. He he didn't stand up against nothing. You know? No, it's a coward kind of guy. Yep. But in some good news after all this, um, Chancellor Lee did survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, they named him Chancellor Lee Adams, and uh, after Sharika's death, Sandra Adams, as Sharika's mom, she raised Chancellor Lee. Mm-hmm. The fears of the doctors following the circumstances of Chancellor's birth were realized as he did suffer permanent brain damage due to the lack of blood and oxygen at the time of his birth. Yeah, and he's got cerebral palsy. Yeah. You know, and they told Sonder that, you know, he'll never walk or he'll never talk and all this stuff, and he's learning to do both. And she said under her breath, she was going, well, you'll see. That ain't going to be true. Yeah. And uh, This kid has survived. Yeah, he's got some severe issues, Mm -hmm. but, man, what he's doing. And he's thrived in the face of adversity, Mm -hmm. learning to talk and walk. And in school, Chancellor has made straight A's in his classes, and he loves horseback riding. Mm -hmm. And like I said, Sandra, Sharika's mom, this woman, she is a saint. Yep. Yeah, she said she had already told Ray she forgave him. She wasn't going to let that eat her the rest of her life. He wasn't going to, you know, do that to her. Mm -mm. He wasn't going to give her, you know, the, the opportunity to do that. She just going on living. Yep. 
course, Watkins, <laughs> he feels a little bit different. He, he don't. He said he'll never forgive Ray Ruth, and he wanted them dead. Yeah, <laughs> so. he does. <laughs> now there is a podcast out there by Scott Fowler. He is a reporter for the Charlotte Observer, right? And the name of his podcast is called Caruth. Yep, and it's a ten-parter, and it is really, really detailed and and really good. Lots of interviews, lots of information. If you have a chance, go check it out. Yeah, he's got insights with Sondra and with Chancellor Lee and then a lot of this. And it's really it's really good. It will jerk your heartstrings and bring some tears to your eyes. Maybe you can throw a link up in the show notes or something. Yeah, I put a link in the show notes for that. But that's a really good podcast. Yes. And I've listened to it several times and it just it just it gives me cold chills to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Man, that stuff with Chancellor Lee is it just bring a tear to your eye, man, that that boy. But Chancellor's mom, Sharika Adams, is buried at Sunset Memorial Gardens in Mint Hill, North Carolina. But that is the story of Rake Ruth and Sharika Adams. Sharika Adams, yep. All right, Dale. We are going to get out of here. All right, man. This is a good one. Yep. We want everyone to be safe, be careful, and always be aware of your surroundings. Because the next episode could be about you. This is The The Crack Crack House Chronicles. Chronicles.